Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. They've reached a deal for aid in Gaza. The deal allows for medicine to get to Israeli and other hostages held by Hamas. It allows for food for the people of Gaza. I must tell you how little faith I have in this deal. I'm not a pessimist. Just what in the world would get anybody to think that Hamas can be trusted? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And uh, feel free, feel free to make uh, the call 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. And of course, if you're watching uh, the live streams, uh, whether it's Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, gosh, I hate some Facebook locals, wherever it is, leave a comment. Happy to get to it. This deal came from the French and the Qataris, so France and Qatar. And they're the ones who have been working on this. Supposedly, there was some U.S. uh, attendance, if you will. You know there's still Americans being held. Americans being held by Hamas. And um, uh, we're doing this. Uh, The... the there are, you know, it's weird how they phrase it. More than 132 hostages are thought to be still held in Gaza. That's the BBC. Well, you don't know who's alive. You, I don't know if you saw these videos that came out last week that, uh, that were videos of hostages. And you realize that, that Hamas is basically taunting Israel. We have your people. We've kept them alive. We'll kill them at any second. And we have Americans being held, and there is no strong action. All there is is the radicalness of the political left into these demands for ceasefire. Ceasefire is not the answer. Ceasefire has never been the answer, and ceasefire will not be the answer. If, in some way, if in some way, the Israelis wanted to have some kind of cease in order to get some hostages. While I have a tremendous issue with it, I don't get to tell the Israelis what to do. And for the sake of clarity, I'm American, not Israeli, even though I'm Jewish, and I don't get to have a a say in Israeli policy. I just think it's a bad policy, just like I think that their COVID policy was just absolutely miserable and dreadful. See that? That's how you can discuss Israeli policy without being a Jew-hating bigot. That's how it works. I, I was saying that mostly for for uh, um, Ilhan Omar's uh, you know benefit. Well, not that it's going to change anything she believes. But I have no belief whatsoever that this uh, is going to work. Netanyahu putting out a statement, the prime minister, expressing, well, quote, excuse me, his appreciation to all those who have assisted in the endeavor. You do what you can. You do what is possible. You hope beyond hope. And then you keep killing the enemy. 
This part is the part that today's college campus Marxist simply cannot abide. In their world, in their view, in their philosophy, in their theory, there is only uh, one thing to note. Israel is the oppressor, and the people of Gaza are oppressed. So when you engage in this way, they will, of course, push for ceasefire. Israel should just stop doing what it's doing. But they will never once have a conversation about where how, how we got here, which is Hamas's attack on Israelis and others, the murder of 1,200, setting babies on fire, and raping women, and videotaping every bit of it. They wanted the world to see. They didn't try and hide the atrocity, as many people have noted. They wanted you to note the atrocity. They wanted you to see who they are and what it is they do. So now, with, with an understanding of, of exactly how twisted this all is, how twisted the political left is in not uh, addressing root causes, and not addressing what it is Hamas did, as uh, Gad Saad calls it, uh, he calls it AOC. I was like, wait, I think that, that was taken. Amnesia of causality. The idea that we'd forget what caused the thing. Only we do, we, thing we do now is talk about how, how terrible the response is. I haven't forgotten anything. And I certainly haven't forgotten that Hamas can't be trusted. I do not trust that any aid sent to Gaza will actually make it to people who I'm told are starving. I am told that it is a humanitarian catastrophe. That's what uh, Bernie Sanders told me. Bernie Sanders told me that it was a humanitarian catastrophe. He said, not only... Is it terrible? Not only is it awful, not only is it the worst thing you ever saw, that it was worse than Dresden. What, you think I can make this up? Jake, we've got to. You think Americans, I can possibly make up what, is go- what this is? I can't. I don't have the skill set. To make up a guy saying this is worse uh, than than anything World War II had to offer. This was Bernie Sanders. I accidentally hit play just a second ago, and I apologize for that. This was Bernie Sanders talking to Jake Tapper, I believe it is, on CNN discussing it. Jake, we've got to, as Americans, take a very deep breath. What is going on in Gaza right now is a horrendous humanitarian catastrophe. We're looking at 23,000 people who have been killed. Almost 60,000 have been wounded. And two-thirds of the people who have been killed are women and children. You're looking at 70% of the housing units in Gaza that have been destroyed. Jake, if I use the word Dresden, Germany, to you, you think about the horrific destruction during World War II of that city. What is going on in Gaza now in three months is worse than what took place in Dresden over a two-year period. This is a catastrophe. And now, according to the United Nations, after you have 1.9 million people displaced from their homes, they don't have food, they don't have water, they don't have medical equipment, they don't have fuel, what you are looking at is imminent starvation. 
Children are starving to death. So my view has been from the beginning, Israel has a right to respond to this horrific terrorist attack from Hamas. But you do not have a right to go to war against an entire people, women and children. And Well, that's not what happened. And Bernie Sanders is a liar and a fraud on that. But the question is, now that this aid is going through, when the aid doesn't make it to the starving women and children, will Bernie Sanders say, hey, Hamas, cut it out? Nah. Will the Marxists say, hey, Hamas, feed the people? No. No, they, 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 they won't. No, 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 they won't. And I think they should be held to account for exactly this. And when they say, how do we get Hamas to stop if they would ever say that? Well, I would say, well, maybe Joe Biden. Uh, should have been a stronger leader from the beginning, and therefore none of this would have happened. Now you say to me, but Tony, Hamas has always hated Israel. Well, yes, that, 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 that's true. That's why Hamas exists. Hamas exists to destroy Israel and to kill all the Jews. So, uh, by the way, does half of the staff at MSNBC and anybody who chants from the river to the sea. This is why they exist. This is who they are. This is what they do. And so I'm always amazed when I hear from the Biden team that somehow Joe Biden has kept us safe. I will campaign for President Biden. I will certainly, because the stakes could not be higher for our country, for the world. The stakes are as high as they get and as high as I've seen in the course of my public service. So I am going to campaign very happily because I think he's done a terrific job. He's shown experience. He's kept us from, you know, having a, a, you know, a complete breakout of uncontrolled war in many regions. But at the same time, he stood up for American values, global values, universal values for America's obligations with respect to Ukraine, the Middle East, and elsewhere. Joe Biden has kept us out of wars. In the four years of Donald Trump, there was no war. In the years of Joe Biden, you allowed uh, American service uh, members to die in Afghanistan because you didn't understand withdrawal. You left people to die. You had Russia invade Ukraine because you weren't strong enough. And you absolutely invited the opportunity for Iran to engage via Hamas and also Russia via Hamas and via the Houthi rebels. And sure as God made little green apples, as my dad would say, you will see before the election, as people, I'm not the first person to discuss this. I'm not saying I'm even giving an original thought here. But if Trump's the nominee, don't be surprised if China makes their move on Taiwan while they can. We are having a conversation about not being able to trust aid getting to the people who need it. Because Joe Biden is a large part of why we're in this position to begin with. Now, as I have stated before, I don't go back on my words. Mossad, Israel, dropped the ball in understanding exactly how much Hamas was preparing. 
They didn't have a really understanding of the tunnel system. 350 miles worth of tunnels in Gaza. If you want to know where the food went, it went to feed all the people who were digging the tunnels. Let the children be damned. There are things where Israel dropped the ball, and they should be held to account. And there are places where the United States dropped the ball, and they should be held to account. Our intelligence agencies should be held to account. But nothing compares to the failures of Joe Biden. Nothing compares. So when you take a look at this aid package, you take a look at this aid package, which, again, I I hope uh, the hostages get their medicine. What else could I want for them? And to be home. That if Joe Biden was actually engaged in the United States being a deterrent, as opposed to being weak, maybe we wouldn't be here. We talked earlier about the Houthi rebels. He took them off the terrorist list and then put them back on the terrorist list. The Houthi rebels are supported by Iran. So he took Iran off of a terrorist list? Who does this? Somebody who believes they're too smart for the room and doesn't actually understand the enemy and the threat. I hope this aid package works. I hope uh, these people get fed and I hope these uh, hostages get their medicine. But I have no faith that it will. And this will continue to go on. And the pressure will come from Biden's team and these these progressives to, to, to stop the fighting and the Bernie Sanders commies of the world. We have to have a ceasefire. No, we have to have a cease Hamas as in Hamas has to cease existing. Then we'll have peace. I don't even, I, I don't even know how it could be seen as any other way. That's how the grown up sees it. And for the Marxist who sees it as, well, why doesn't Israel stop existing? I say to you, as I've said many times, okay. Okay, let them fight it out. Israel's terrible and Gaza is terrible. Sure, kitten, whatever you say, let them fight it out. Let's see who wins. Oh, that's not fair because Israel has more tanks and more weaponry, more than... Well, maybe Gaza should have been focused on, I don't know, creating a society and engaging trade instead of living in a barbaric hellscape and an open-air prison that they created and to which Hamas is the warden. Let them fight it out. If, 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 If no side is right, let them fight it out. No rules. To the death. Let's see who wins. I'm Tony Katz. So you have the new president of Argentina speaking at the World Economic Forum. And this is through the translator. And he, he's, uh, he's pretty clear. Um... You commies stink. Do not surrender to the advance of the... St- oh, I played it from the wrong spot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, for a second there, maybe you couldn't hear it. Here it is. Do not surrender to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story. And rest assured that as from today, Argentina is your staunch, unconditional ally. Thank you very much and long live freedom. Damn it. Okay. Long live freedom. Damn it. 
<laughs> oh, people were upset when he won, and and oh, he's the Trump of Argentina, and oh, he's going to ruin everything. Um, too much government is a bad thing. And uh, the, the the last thing the World Economic Forum folk want to hear is that they're the problem. Because they are, of course, believers that they can engineer our better tomorrow. To that end, there is this woman from India speaking at the World Economic Forum, uh, hospital group vice chair. And I, and I clipped just some of it. I wanted you to hear her take um, uh, on, on, on lockdowns. Listen, we're talking about COVID lockdowns, of course. But more than anything else, uh, I am a very proud Indian. And I think that the leadership, uh, the quick decisions and the insistent decisions to do what we have to do at the right time. Sometimes they're hard decisions. You face that. But I think to take the right decision, the hard decision, but to take a decision has been very important. And I think a population of 1.3 billion people, if we have been able to come out of this uh, relatively, you know, better than which could have been anticipated and the fact that there was early intervention of vaccination uh, there was a lockdown it was hard but it was a decision making which I think helped us so I think that's important going forward so is this uh, a health official uh, making the claim that lockdowns were good for us lockdowns were beneficial yeah it was hard but we needed to have that happen you needed that you're welcome Understand that that our issue, the issue for the freedom uh, folk, the free and thinking people, the free folk, as as they would say on the Game of Thrones, um, is is that these other people are really convinced they know how we should live. Again, we go back to the radicalness of Rachel Maddow's authoritarian commentary, which you realize is just a whole big bunch of projection. Who's the authoritarian? The people cheering lockdowns or the people opposed to lockdowns? Who actually is the one here that wants to control your life? The people who believe that all cars should be electric? Or the people who believe that you should be allowed mobility as you see fit? Who is the authoritarian? The people who believe in a centralized digital currency controlled by governments? Or the people who believe in Bitcoin, a completely decentralized type of currency. It is remarkable to witness. So this this uh, talk from Malay, uh, President Malay of Argentina. Uh, oh, there's there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of pushback to that. Tremendous amount of pushback to that. Oh, he's he's so silly. Oh, he's so dangerous. That'll ramp up. I don't know. I don't know what's so dangerous about, you know, being opposed to the march grow, march of the growing state. Was it was it dangerous when when uh, Dwight Eisenhower warned us in his farewell address about the military industrial complex? I thought it was a probably a good warning, something he saw as an issue because it was an issue. Meanwhile, there is some scotch for sale. And let's discuss this Democratic switch thing. And did it actually help Nikki Haley place third? 
Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. for some Irish whiskey. I totally get it, people. I totally, totally get it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's a bottle of Emerald Isle. Ah, the old Emerald Isle. Uh, It sold for $2.8 million. Uh, A uh, whiskey collector in the, the U.S., uh, purchased it, beat out the previous record by a hundred grand. But it's not. It's it's not just the Irish whiskey. Uh, now, by the way, Irish whiskey. There are are, are not many rules uh, in in the creation of, of Irish whiskey. Just like there aren't many rules in the creation of, uh, of of Scotch. Scotch has to come from Scotland. Irish whiskey comes from Ireland. But in in th- both cases, the vast majority of them actually use bourbon barrels to 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 do what they do. Bourbon has to be has to be a first use charred oak barrel. So after it's made its barrel of bourbon, you can't make another barrel. You can use staves and which are pieces of wood. You can do other things with it. You can do a bunch of other things with it. Um, but but what you cannot do uh, is use it again to create another barrel of bourbon. We, we've got serious rules. This uh, Irish whiskey right here, this Irish whiskey uh, also uh, came with a uh, Fabergé egg. Who doesn't love a good Fabergé egg? I ask you. I ask you right there. Who doesn't love it? It came with um, two Cohiba cigars. So one would assume uh, they are the uh, the, the legit uh, Cuban kind, as opposed to the red dot or the black dot. Um, it's completely not the same kind. <laughs> they're 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 not the same. I don't know. And, and the whole Cohiba thing, I, I I get it. I get why people are, are into it. I get why people want them. It ain't what it used to be, children. Don't don't buy into it for a second. It is absolutely not what it used to be. The the uh, the the whole Cuban conversation. You don't need a Cuban cigar uh, to have a good cigar anymore. Um, now, I, I would I spend two? Oh, by the way, this also came with a watch. Um, it came, um, with a decanter like that was, he got for $2.8 million. Would I pay 2.8 million for a bottle of whiskey? Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I would if I had the two point eight million. I would one hundred percent, one hundred percent, do it. The problem is, I, I, I would also drink it. I am not 
a collector. If you were to take a look at my bourbon collection, it's because people give me bottles to test and to try and to do. So I've got a lot of stuff. Uh, so I have a bottle of 20, is it 2022? Was it 2023? Uh, the old Forrester birthday bourbon. It's probably about a $2,000 bottle. That's getting opened in April. Oh yeah, we're doing a live event. <gasps> I said too much. Uh, wait for it. Uh, I'll have news about that uh, coming out uh, in, in uh, next month. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fantastic. Uh, I've got some Elmer T. Lee. I, I've got some some incredible Willet bottles. You're supposed to drink it. You're supposed to drink it. There there is no point in just looking at it. It's like a car. You're you're gonna get a car just to stare at it. The whole thing doesn't make any sense. It's crazy town. Go out there and drive it. Enjoy the thing. So $2.8 million. Yes. Yes, I would spend it. No, I don't have it. And if it meant that I couldn't have a private plane, I absolutely wouldn't spend it. Because private plane comes first. I'm not spending $3 million on Irish whiskey until, until I have a private plane. And, and for the record, I would spend $3 million on bourbon or rye. Not on Irish whiskey. I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's... I, I have met very few Irish whiskeys that are good. Three. Three. Um, uh, one, I think it's a 15-year from Redbreast. Uh, the Middleton. I can't remember the third right now. Yeah, it's just not my, just not my drink. Uh, I, 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 a, a Nikki Haley story. Because this happened to me yesterday. And this... Uh, I wanted to get into whether or not uh, we think that Democrats were changing registrations to um, to support Nikki Haley, because Ron DeSantis is 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 a big believer in this, and you you've got all these people who switched registrations in Iowa in order to 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 support Nikki Haley, and you won't be able to do that uh, in in New Hampshire. Well, well, true enough. The story goes. The, I, I'm, I'm sitting yesterday having a cigar, which is not a rare thing. And I get a text from, from a friend, and, and the text is, uh, love this. I'm like, okay, what is it? Well, attached was a flyer, and I open it up, and it is a fundraiser in my beloved Indianapolis for Nikki Haley. Oh, okay, Fine. And then she's going to zoom in. She's going to zoom in. And you're going to be able to talk to her. Oh, all right. Well, I guess that's the way it goes. She'll be on the road wherever it is. It's in February sometime. Cool. Well, I'm glad that the person who sends it to me loves it. And then I take a look at the host committee. So very often when there are these kinds of fundraisers for a candidate, there's a host committee. Right, the people who are putting it together. So they're saying, hey, we invited you, all our friends, so you can write big checks. That's, that, that's what it is. And I go through, I know some people on the host committee and some names I don't know. And then right there at the bottom of the first row for the host committee, Tony Katz. And I said, what? Because I know me, I'm not on a host committee. No one ever called me about a host committee. I have never been asked to be on a host committee. I... For for a Nikki Haley fundraiser, what, uh, uh, what is my name doing on this flyer? I text someone I know who knows about the event, and I'm like, 
Well, first thing I did is 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 I I actually called my home station in Indianapolis, WIBC. In Indiana, we're heard on WIBC, we're heard on WMUN in Muncie, we're heard on WGCL in, in, in Bloomington, and then we're heard weekends across uh, the country, and then, of course, everything we do in, in, in the streaming. Uh, I, I call my, my program director, David Wood, and I'm like, hey, so this isn't a social call. This is a me calling my boss conversation, to which he's like, oh my gosh, Tony Katz is going to quit. And I'm like, Tony Katz is not going to quit. I just signed a new contract, but we should already talk about a raise. And I explain it because I, I think that when you're in my position, you're, you're a radio host, that if you're engaged in primary stuff on a financial level, I, I, I think that's pretty weird. Only once have I gotten involved in an election where I was supportive of a candidate in the primary, in the primary world. It's somebody I used to work with. Uh, and and a friend, someone who's been in my home, I felt comfortable. But in the main, I don't I don't do that. I'm like I didn't do this. Someone's gonna ask me about this flyer, and it's gonna become a thing. So then I text somebody who is associated with this. I'm like, uh, I, no one no one called me. No one no one talked to me about it. No one no one said word one to me. I I can't be on this flyer. I can't be on this flyer. You gotta. You got to do me a favor. You got to talk to somebody. Get me off the flyer. The text comes back like six minutes later. It's a different Tony Katz. Stop. There's another Tony Katz in the Indianapolis area. There are a few Tony Katzes out there. I, I know that to be true. And they're like, well, Katz is a pretty common name. Yes, Katz is a pretty common name. For Jews, it'd be like Smith. But Tony Katz is freaking rare as all get out. There, there are nine of us. There aren't that many. There's another one? And I've been here almost a decade. No one thought to bring that up to me. No one thought to mention, hey, I know a Tony Katz. So I, I got to assume they're not playing me. <laughs> and there's... And there's another Tony Katz. I feel so sorry for that dude. Like, there's a, there's a Tony Katz who is, is he an environmental lawyer? I, th- I think he is. And when I get Google alerts for my name every now and then, he'll come up. Can you imagine how often I come up in, in his feed and all his stuff? Here he was building this fine career for himself. Probably a gentleman and a half. And here I come. Do-do-do-do-do. Just ruining his whole day and his entire search history. Just a mess. But this Nikki Haley conversation gets us to this idea of whether or not Democrats voted in the Iowa caucuses by switching their party. Um, Yes, indeed, it is true that you can do this at the Iowa caucuses with relative ease. It's a super easy thing to do the question is did it make some level of difference in the iowa caucuses first things first don't forget that nikki haley came in third she came in third place so now we're making the argument that that somehow if people hadn't switched over 
she'd be at what? She, she oh, 19.1% was third place. So Trump was 51. DeSantis was 21.2. Haley is, uh, is, is 19.1. So what? She would have been 14, 12? Is this, is this your argument? That's a heck of an argument uh, right, right there. And she did underperform the polls. Just for clarity, she underperformed the polls. Did people come in and change their status, and they were Democrats so they could vote for Nikki Haley, so they could create some kind of of uh, chaos, right? Oh, we go back to the late, great Rush Limbaugh and Operation Chaos and those kinds of theories. I don't know. What I know is, from knowing Iowa and people in Iowa and getting answers to, to questions, this kind of thing happens all the time. There, There is nothing new under the sun. And absolutely, in past uh, caucuses, people have come in and changed their registration and, uh, and uh, you know, voted for a different party. Happens all the time. There is nothing right now that I have seen that shows me that there is credibility to this argument. What would show us is if in New Hampshire, she collapses. So taking a look at the polling right now, including the 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 last uh, uh, poll that just took place, the Boston Globe Suffolk poll. Holy, let me get my glasses on here. Trump fifty, Haley thirty four, DeSantis five. Ron DeSantis is still trailing Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy. He's at 5.8 in the Real Clear Politics average. Christie is at 11 in the Real Clear Politics average. Ramaswamy at 6. In the average, it's Trump 44, Haley 31. That's a 13-point spread. 13-point spread. We've, we've said from the beginning uh, that Ron DeSantis has not made any move of any seriousness there in, in, in New Hampshire. So now, and by the way, one of the interesting things is with Christie out and, and Ramaswamy out, but with Christie out, she went from 28 in the previous poll to 34. This is her highest. She's been at 32. She's been at 31. 34 is her highest in any poll. Those Christie voters did not go to Ron DeSantis. That much is obvious. We won't know whether or not there's any truth to this uh, until we see New Hampshire. Does she underperform? She underperformed in Iowa based on the polling. And Trump was polling at 52 and a half and got 51%. That's pretty dead on. So we will watch for this. Personally, I don't think there's anything to this, this idea that, that, oh my gosh, look at all the people who, uh, went in for, for Haley and changed parties. I don't think there's much to it at all. But we'll find out in New Hampshire. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia who's not running for re-election, the guy who has... The best name ID had had the best name ID in the world and ruined it because he's not lefty enough. Thinks that Joe Biden has been pushed 
too far to the left. Are you really going to try to get on the president's schedule and try to move him to the center before you make a decision on your next step? Well, I, first of all, I think no matter who your president is, whether you're for him or against him, same party or not, you want your president to succeed. I think President Biden's been pushed too far to the left. I think he knows my feelings about that, and he should be coming back to the center or center left, which is where we make most of our decisions. It's where the economy is, and that's where the country is. There's not a successful person or family that makes any decisions from the extremes and thinks it's going to uh, exist or last. So we're trying to bring it back, and I, that's if I get a chance and they want to meet i'm happy to meet with if you're not willing uh, senator manchin to take on the squad you have no chance in this joe biden is just responding to the forces that are most dangerous within the party and the extreme that is the squad is very much the mainstream when it comes to policy it's the mainstream of who democrats are the green new deal that's not pie in the sky. That's tame compared to where they're going to go next. Outward anti-Semitism, outward Marxism, outward hatred of their own nation and the pushing of, of fracturing people. Joe Biden doesn't have a response to this because Joe Biden has no core. The people you got to go after are the squad. And that's why I am very focused on this idea when it comes to squad members and others, especially in the anti-Semitism front. I can't replace them with Republicans. Can I try and replace them with other Democrats? And I'm very serious about this subject. I think we should be running other Democrats against them and make them fight for their seats and hopefully lose. I'm Tony Katz.